1: Every team, every topic, everywhere this is
0: believe. Vikings
1: come out and play. Oh, wait a I see. Let me put some what are you with me now. Up, it. Cousins throws pass
2: now listen to the Believe in Vikings
0: podcast with B-Mac and Baker.
3: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings with B Mac and Baker. Uh, this is your end of season and interrupting your government coup edition of Believe in Vikings. Um, Tonight we're going to have some of the usual suspects on our show. Bryant McKinney, Super Bowl champion, Minnesota Vikings, Baltimore Ravens, Miami Dolphins. And then we'll have Ron from the Trend Zone on with us tonight. And then we are going to bring Dakota from Orlando. He's a lifelong Vikings fan. And we're going to talk about all things purple. Um, But first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. The NBA and college basketball seasons are back. Uh, The NFL playoffs are right around the corner. Uh, with all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about the Lakers picking to repeat their NBA championship or someone to upset Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, you need to go to betonline.ag today. Um, the Vikings coming into the season, um, were forecasted to win about nine games. And had you put your money on South of that, you would be in the money. Um, but that's neither here nor there. You can go look at some of the prop bets that are on betonline.ag as for these NFL playoffs. Those are enticing from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is are always the online casino as well. It never closes, So go uh, head on over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. The Minnesota Vikings season ended in Week 17 with a victory over the Detroit Lions, 37-35. But now we have to watch from afar Um, the rest of the postseason play out. It was a season that was up and down, uh, mostly down defensively, mostly up offensively. Uh, There were silver linings. Uh, The rookie class looks phenomenal. We'll see if that holds for next year. Uh, Kirk Cousins' uh, legitimacy, I believe, was cemented um, as the quarterback going forward. Uh, Dalvin Cook proved that he was worth the the money, at least uh, for this year. We'll see if that carries over injury-free into the remainder of his contract. So tonight we're going to go around our panel and kind of go through some broadly themed Vikings questions and thoughts and let everybody chime in. Uh, so the first that I have, it's been, I've been thinking about this question for about month, month and a half, and I'll start with you, Ron. Um, we saw that this team, this team was capable of starting one and five with poor quarterback play um, in two games in particular against the Colts and the Falcons, and that was on Kirk Cousins. And then a, a porous defense beset the team for all of the year, and in particular, um, the first five, six games of the season. Uh, My question to you, Ron, and then we'll go around the horn here, is if indeed the Vikings were to use their first-round pick on a quarterback, whether it's organically at the 14th spot or they were to trade up, um, I don't know, to like something like 10th or 8th, would a selection of a first-round quarterback restart the clock on Rick Spielman's employment? Would he get a... I don't know, a pass, or could he sell it to ownership that uh, he wants to be around for the long haul because he has a contingency plan that um, if Kirk Cousins doesn't work out, we've got this hypothetical guy in the the wings. Because let's face it, uh, we've been through three years of Kirk Cousins, and we do not have a Super Bowl yet. And uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think that restarts the clock on Spielman?
0: Well, to be fair, in you know, the 70 years of the franchise, we haven't had a Super Bowl. So the, to look at the last three years, um, <laughs> it's tough to kind of just go off of that. But as far as um, Rick Spielman and his potential future with the Vikings, um, you know, I, for one, am a Rick Spielman fan. And I actually think drafting a quarterback or especially trading up for a quarterback, unless it were Trevor Lawrence, who is, by all accounts, uh, um, a generational talent, unless you're doing that, I actually think it might shorten his tenure here because you have to be right when you draft quarterback early in the first round, um, especially if you're moving up. So when you have the money tied into Kirk, which again, it's fair based on his play. It's not, I don't think it's an albatross contract, um, but you have him and he's in his early thirties. So it's not like he's old. I mean, he's the same age as Russell Wilson and those other guys that they claim have so much life left. So um, I, I actually think going young at that position, with the other needs on the team um, might actually be kind of, the, the fork in him, um, okay. to say you're the least. Irresponsible. He, yeah, exactly. So okay. whether, I mean, you know, it's, if there's someone that they fall in love with, absolutely. You make that pick, but, um, you know, looking back at kind of the history of the quarterbacks that fall into that 12 to 14 type range, you know, Christian ponders in a perfect example. Um, you're usually reaching for guys. I kind of on a knee jerk reaction rather than taking the best player available, I'd right. say. So, um, with I haven't looked at a whole lot of draft boards, but knowing that whatever, there's four or five guys potentially that could be taken in the top 10 to 15. All that does is push those other good players back down, um, whether it's the the Miami edge rusher, the yeah. offensive linemen that are out there, um, where we have substantial needs across the board, um, which a lot of it will be filled back with um, our veterans that are getting healthy and Michael Pierce getting back in the fold. So our offense wasn't really the problem this year. I know you've alluded to it on Twitter and you know, there's all the numbers are out there. It wasn't our offense. That was the problem. It was stopping people. So, yeah. um, you know, we'll see what happens, but I, for one, wouldn't necessarily go with the quarterback at 14.
3: Okay. Uh, Dakota, the Vikings would be in a unique spot <clears throat> wherein that we have, um, a top 10 top 12 quarterback in the business. Uh, I think reasonable people can accept that. Um, if we wanted to select a quarterback in the first round, we would have two years to let that young man learn. And if next year was Mm -hmm. God awful for some reason, uh, then he could even get some playing time late in the year. Do you think that selecting quarterback a is wise and B, do you think it will happen?
2: Uh, I don't think so. I think we need a lot of help on defense, especially to get some more pass rush. We didn't have enough pass rush in those last (laughs) few months of the season there. But, um, yeah, I don't see it happening. But
3: What would you, if uh, we'll talk about the draft here in the next half hour or so, but do you have something that jumps off the page position-wise that you would say, you know, or is it just best player available for you?
2: In the first 10 to 15 picks, there's three pass rushers that seem to be the talk right now in that area. So, yeah, there's a guy from Wake Forest named Carlos Basham mm-hmm. really jumped out to me when I watched him. Uh, he's got a lot of quick. He's a quick twitch guy, a lot of speed. OK, so, yeah.
3: Okay. Bryant, you know or at least interacted with Rick Spielman. Do you think that if he went quarterback, that would extend his tenure with the Vikings, or would it be more like Ron that he would basically be ignoring the other spots of the roster?
1: I uh, think he'd be ignoring other spots unless he did go get um the guy from Clemson. Um other than that, I do feel like there's a lot of things on defense that you could help, you know, patch up and then um, you know, worry about that later on but it's some, it's definitely some other areas
0: that you could address
1: right now with that first
0: pick. (laughs) One thing kind of with that, um, just looking at the overall roster construction, um, Up, up to this point, you know, like over the past few years, especially that NFC championship year, our money has been tied into that defense. And now we're kind of seeing that switch where money's being tied into that offense, a little more balanced out there. So it now going, whether I'm all for offensive line, but if you get that defense added in there on those rookie scales and kind of mix them in with the handful of high priced veterans that are out there um, again, you kind of tip the scale. So it's a better split of you know, funds will say, but um, yeah. like So just touching on, on that, I think that actually could be um, help fill the holes long-term as well.
3: One thing that I've always been curious about, and I had never been able to get an answer is the dynamic of power on draft night, or I guess leading up to the draft, but specifically on draft night um, how much power does Zimmer have to choose? We always joke about cornerbacks and there's probably something to that. But if there was ever a year for, you know, Zimmer to do the meme where he's got his hands out pointing to something saying, um, you know, we need defense. It's this one because we're, we're ranked 29th in points allowed. And I don't know (laughs) if you watch every Vikings game and you choose to spend your time complaining about the offense, I cannot reason with you or I can't fathom where you're coming from because, uh, to me, it's crystal clear that the defense lost, uh, obviously three or four games, especially late in the fourth quarters of those games. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that Zimmer has a built in, if he, I don't even know if he needs one, but I think he has a built in excuse to bolster the defense this year because it was the thing separating us from the playoffs was the, especially the Seattle game, the Tennessee game. Uh, I'm missing those Dallas game. I'm missing the ones where uh, cousins had game winning drives, took the lead in the fourth quarter and then the opposition marched down the field to score. So I, I think w- we will see defense. Um, I, my official want is it's it's sort of vague. It's the best lineman. I don't care if it's defense or offense. I want that guy. That's who I want the Vikings to select. I don't know who it will be. Uh, I'll obviously do my homework in the coming weeks and months, um, but I, think, I don't think you can go wrong by finding the best man from the trenches. And to your point, Ron, um, as – uh, un- in, or as inconsistent as quarterbacks are from that range, the 10 to whatever, 16 spot, usually you can pluck some good linemen on both sides of the ball. The next thing I want to ask is applicable to the quarterback win stat. Uh, we see a lot about a quarterback's record, um, kind of like they were a pitcher in Major League Baseball. Uh, I guess I'll start with you, Dakota, on this. The Vikings went seven to nine this year. Uh Kirk Cousins had a passer rating of 105. Um, and he's still adjudicated or judged by a quarterback record. Like yeah, you know, they point to it and say he's been a five hundred quarterback his whole career. And it mm-hmm. doesn't have any context with the fact he played for the Washington football team. And then these last two years prior to this one were winning seasons and we even got a playoff in <laughs> last year. So why do you think, Dakota, that Cousins is held to this quarterback record standard, but a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's probably the fourth best quarterback in the business, went 4-12 and 12 this season, his team did. And he just gets a complete pass. Is it because Watson's more fun? Is like Why is there all this sympathy like Watson? Oh, you got to get him some health. Poor guy. And then you turn around and look at Cousins, and it's like, oh, he can't get it done. He can't drag a team into playoffs. What am I missing? What's the disconnect between Cousins and Watson?
2: I think people look at Kirk and see the receivers that he has to throw to. And Watson doesn't have the same level of weapons. He doesn't have a running game like Kirk does. Um, yeah, I feel like losing Hopkins was terrible for Watson, but he still showed up and performed well for himself. Um, yeah, but still Kirk Cousins has a horrible defense. Watson has a horrible defense. Um, yeah, I just, I think, I think Watson has lesser weapons. That's why people, put the pressure more on Kurt because he has so, the targets, the weapons.
3: So if they have uh, equitable defenses in that, I think I think the Texans is 27th in the league and the Vikings are 29th. Yes. Uh, I guess the theory is that Watson would have been able to somehow get six wins. So maybe, maybe in the AFC, he needs seven more in the AFC with Dalvin cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. And if Watson had that, then people think perhaps he could have got to the playoffs. I feel that way, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, the weaponry with the Vikings is certainly uh, much better, but Watson hasn't been deprived of weapons this whole sh- dance. It was just this crazy decision by Bill O'Brien. Um, Brian, I'm going to guess guess from your perspective that football is more of a team game than just a quarterback record thing. Am I am I correct?
1: Well, it is a team. It is a team thing. Um, but you know, everything good or bad falls back on the quarterback because he's it's, at the helm.
3: Does that get on your nerves? or Not really. <clears throat> I'm not a quarterback, so no. well yeah but i i don't know i uh i see it a lot i
1: mean that's a lot of pressure for quarterbacks but that's i mean that's the position that you are too so i mean and that goes all the way back from high school and and, you know probably one. so it's team wins or lose a lot of that falls on the quarterback so and and that's just how it is so i mean that's part like that just comes with the territory um and that's about that person being a leader and seeing that person can you know lead his team and i guess even encourage his team you know what I mean the quarterback holds a lot of weight um on that football field
3: yeah that's undeniable and I'm with you Ron I want to ask you I'm sure you saw and you probably saw this Dakota there was a it wasn't a meme it was just a stat with a graphic that was posted last weekend before the games that said through 49 starts Aaron Rodgers was 29 and 20 in his first 49 starts and Mitchell Trubisky through his first 49 starts was 29 and 20 it was posted by some Bears fan and all the power to them. Eat your heart out. Um, but all that should tell somebody is that through 49 starts to their careers, the Bears and the Packers had the same regular season win-loss record under those two men. And I don't know anybody ever that would sit there and say that, you know, Trubisky and Rodgers are kind of the same level. It's just that even the fact, and this was Rodgers at the beginning of his career, which was marvelous and, you know, S- Super Bowl winning type of thing. So, Ron, what what is your take on quarterback record?
0: I mean, much like you alluded to with baseball, I think quarterback record is a flawed stat because, you know, it's not the quarterback's fault all the time. I go back to. Um, Bryant, you were on these teams that the Vikings with uh, Dante, um, you know, when he was having a great year, there was a year, I think we went seven and nine and we had, it was we played the Colts specifically, I remember, and we scored too quickly because <laughs> there was a play that someone on defense had Peyton Manning like in their grasp and he made a dump off to Edgerin. And I think it was Vanderjack that at the time had a field goal to win it, but we had like three games like that, two against the Packers and one against the Colts where we, our offense did the job and scored. But defense, you know, let them go down the field and get a field goal to win it. So um, while, yes, quarterbacks are probably 90 percent responsible for wins and losses most of the time, just because everything has to go right um, for them. But I don't think it is solely on them because I mean that
1: I don't think it's solely on the quarterback either, but it falls on them
3: right and,
0: yeah they get the blame and they, they when they probably when they don't need it and they get too much credit when they when they don't but right uh, are, so um i mean yes to your point it is a team game and uh you need all aspects to um to succeed and you know even special teams like well that's probably the, considered overall like the lesser of the units it's still one out of three and if one's not working we as vikings fans see it year over year they find a way to to cost those games or to cost uh um you know, some sort of points on the board. So um, I'm not a quarterback win stat fan.
3: Okay. Uh, Dakota, back to you. Um, There was whispers early this week. I think it was Monday that uh, offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak is contemplating retirement. Um, Head coach Mike Zimmer sort of walked that back a little bit and said that Kubiak is going to mull it over and he thinks that he might come back. Um, So it's probably a coin flip right now, maybe more on heavy that uh, Kubiak will retire. So Dakota, uh, two questions. Who will be the offensive coordinator this September? And who do you want? If you were the GM or you were Zimmer, who do you want to be the offensive coordinator?
2: Well, Zim said in a press conference yesterday that he doesn't want to change the scheme of his offense. So Mm -hmm. I think the number one person would probably be Clint Kubiak, Gary Kubiak's son. Or maybe like Anthony Lynn, who has familiarity with the, the scheme. So, yeah. I, and, and for me, who i want is Gary Kubiak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh... did a phenomenal job this year.
3: Yeah, I hear you. There was a lot of angst about him because he doesn't, I I think it's because he doesn't do a whole lot of motion like a lot of the new offensive coordinators do. He kind of has the old style, like, you know, play Mm -hmm. action and just kind of the the stuff that doesn't have a whole lot of sizzle. But in almost every one of Kubiak stops, he has an offense that, you know, is either top 10 or top 12. So I too would want Kubiak back, but I'm leaning toward that that was leaked for a reason. So it's probably real that he's contemplating um, retirement Um, again. I think he stepped away from the game after he won the Super Bowl. And the other thing to remember about Clint Kubiak is he had experience with the Vikings before uh, Gary even got here. Clint Kubiak was, I believe, an offensive quality control coach in 2013 and 2014. So this, even though it will feel like nepotism, um, he is not going to be completely inserted by his father. He started with the Vikings before his father was still in Denver. Um, Offensive coordinator continuity. How big of a deal is that, Bryant? Is that... uh, like when you're coming into camp, um and I, I don't know how many different offensive coordinators you played for. Is that really a big deal to have the same dude in consecutive years, or um,
1: especially if you had a good if you had a good season um, the year before with that offensive coordinator, you do want to keep him because you don't want to learn a new offense. You know what I'm saying? You're always yeah. familiar with the plays and the scheme, so you would like to keep them. You okay. know what I mean? Instead of keep changing, Cause a lot of times new coordinators are coming and they want to change everything because they feel like that's their purpose of coming too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It's like they try to reteach and, and just scratch everything and want to kind of get the credit for making the offense better. So they yeah. never keep the same system. So if the system worked for you and you're, you're familiar with it already, you do want to kind of keep on, you know, with the same thing. And Mike, Zimmer- You feel like you're being slowed down a little bit when you got to learn a new whole yeah. um, system. Because even with me at the University of Miami, my senior year, Butch Davis left, and then we kind of went up there and fought for Larry Coker because we knew we'd be able to keep the same offense. <laughs> yeah made a big difference like you know what
3: i mean yeah when you personally watch uh football on sundays and you see some of these modern offenses like Kyle Shanahan might have with a bunch of motion uh, or something that McVay might run do you think that that's cool um or do you think that's overhyped or what are your thoughts on some of these modern offenses that do more creative things
1: i mean i think it's cool i mean some of the things i wish like the celebrating in the end zone. I wish to be there when I was there, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I think it's cool though. Cause they're just trying to be innovative and I feel like they're actually making it more exciting for fans to watch.
3: Okay. Ron, you know, your stuff, who will be the offensive coordinator and who do you want to be the offensive coordinator? Well, for me, like
0: what Brian said, the continuity I think is huge. And Cousins in his entire career, it seems like he's been going from offensive coordinator to offensive coordinator. So schematically, um, you know, I'd like the scheme to stay the same. One of that one of the reasons is because it seems like offensive line the position that we've been drafting for we've kind of gone with that zone blocking scheme those type of athletes with uh brian O'Neill and and bradbury and uh, now in ezra cleveland so um and brian maybe you can touch on that how the scheme changes from offensive linemen as far as um you know taking the faster guys to, as opposed to the big maulers that are out there um but i feel like skill position players and and everything they can be amenable in Whatever like Jefferson Thielen, those guys can play anywhere I feel like but if we go to maybe a power running style like we had when we Adrian was around um, like there's a lot that needs to change like our tackles now are on the lighter side. You know, you don't have you wouldn't have Big Mac and, and load hold uh, both at six eight three fifty 350 on the on the ends just running downhill on people. So um, I'm all about the continuity. Now, Anthony Lynn is a name that I, mean, I know he gets a lot of respect around the league from his players. Um, so that's always intriguing for me. But as far as results go, and maybe it's because of the head coach versus coordinator, his Chargers teams have seemed to be one of those that like always have talent and then underperform. Now, I don't know if that's on him or I know he's had special team issues there. Um and having a, another former head coach in that locker room what that does as far as voices being heard, but uh as long as it kind of stays the same, um, you know, scheme, I think that we have a good foundation there.
3: Um back to the draft, uh Dakota, I know you touched on this. Um, are there, are there any players, um, that we will talk about here in the next few weeks and months, um, that you would love to see the Vikings draft, no matter their position. Um, uh, you can take off the obvious ones that won't be there like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, but is there any player in the draft that you haven't talked about, uh, tonight that you would love to see on the Minnesota Vikings?
2: There's a defensive tackle from Alabama named Christian Barmore, six foot five, 310 pounds. He utilizes his pass rush moves really, really well. He's great burst. And he's just, he seems like the type of guy that would help in our defense to put in there and get some pass rush.
3: Is he, uh, he'd play the three technique, um, like right next to Michael he'd Pierce? He'd play right next to Michael
2: Pierce. Okay, yeah. yeah.
3: And that would be <clears throat> spectacular if he turned out to be good because that—that that is a position that Zimmer defenses seem to. Uh, How can I say it? Gloss over a little bit. Um, We had the year with Sheldon Richardson in 2018, um, and even though he didn't get a lot of sacks, he got a lot of pressures and Shamar Steven uh, did not get a lot of pressures in 2019. And those things make a difference. So I would love to get a guy in the middle of the defense that can stop the run and rush the pasture because it seems like uh, even in 2017, um, you know, we had a terrific defense despite not having outstanding three technique play or even um, with Sendejo, who was a average, pretty average safety um, in the back of the defense um, that Zimmer can kind of get away with not putting in pro bowlers. Uh, so I would love to see the investment in a three technique uh, defensive tackle Um, I I also am kind of partial to the best player available type of sentiment. Uh, I know that's, that's tricky to do. Like why on earth will we need a wide receiver right now? Uh, I mean, Thielen is what? 31, 32. So he's not going to be around forever, but if there was a wide receiver, those are always fun to draft. But when you play the long game, will you ever really regret you know getting a linebacker that's here for 10 years when Anthony Barr is winding down or Kendricks is getting into his 30s i don't think so but it's tr- it's tr- it's difficult to justify when you're Spielman or Zimmer who are for the most part coaching for these jo- their jobs in the next t- 2 years and um for certain if something went pear shaped next year that's when things will get uh, very interesting so I'm intrigued by it all. I I'll get excited no matter what. If it is a quarterback, I mean, we would all be pretty astonished, um, and that would be fun. What I do not look forward to is that quarterback. If he is drafted, every single mistake that Kirk will make. And I'm talking like in-game things, like oh my god, he threw an incompletion on third and seven. Let's get Zach Wilson in there. I mean, every single miscue by Kirk would, you know, be a proclamation by our fans that it's time for Kirk, Kirk, uh, Kirk to be benched. So I'm not looking forward to that, but I'll stand by my my trench warfare uh, desire that I would love to fortify the offensive line or defensive line. Bryant, as you look at up and down the roster of the team and you've watched most of the games this season, do you think it will be offense or defense in the first round? I feel like it'll be
1: defense, Yeah, um, honestly. <clears throat> I feel like they need to be addressed first. Um, and um, I wouldn't be mad at it. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, I think, like we talked about, uh, the Vikings probably have a built-in excuse to spend capital on the defense, and it's probably what will happen. But there's also you know, something to be said that this offensive line thing never gets fixed. And I swear to God, it's since you left McKinney this past decade, the only time that we think the offensive line is good is when it's average. Uh, If it's not terrible, we think as fans like, you know, this isn't so bad and it doesn't have to be that way. You can watch the good teams every Sunday uh, you know the ones that are consistently good usually have an offensive line that can <laughs> stand some pass rush, and we just ha- we were inconsistent. Uh, Ron, let's hear your your draft wants.
0: Well, I'm with you. I think, um, either side of the line I'm fine with, um, I lean offensive line because, um, I feel like what we're getting back on the defensive side with Hunter and Pierce primarily like that instantly, you're getting your, your best pass rusher, you're getting your best run stuffer. So you're already bolstering that, um, assuming that they both return. Um, but, uh, um, the guy I really like, just as far as Again, my preliminary, like the names I'm seeing and kind of what the fit is, uh, the Virginia Tech tackle um, offensive lineman. um, I want to say it's it's Christian something. um, But he... Um, what I've seen about him is, you know, he started since a freshman, he's a great run blocker and he has, you know, the prototypical left tackle at six, five, you know, three fifteen or whatever. So um, for one, you know, I like four year starter (laughs) and uh, it it says he's perfect for a zone blocking scheme. So um, that I think would give you flexibility. If reef returns, you can move him inside and then all of a sudden you fix two spots right there on the line. So um, I mean, again, it, all, but I'm also for uh, best player available as, as long as they don't go with the Florida tight end as as great as I think he is. I don't think that's a position of need. Um,
3: yeah. I, I do not think we need a running back or a tight end. That's, that's the two spots on draft night that I'll be like, what? Right. Did you want to follow up with Bryant on your offensive line uh, question a few minutes ago? I think I forgot to come back to you. Yeah.
0: yeah. So like Brian, like I was alluding to, like with the guys that we kind of have drafted over the last few years with Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland and O'Neal, they're guys with who test well as far as the athleticism goes. Um, And how easy of a switch is that? So if they were to say, go to more of a power running team or, less zone blocking but man blocking and i don't know the schematics behind all that um but what kind of a switch is that as an offensive lineman like how easy of a switch is that to pick up
1: um <clears throat> it's not it's not too difficult but it, one's more physical than the other so it's just to have to make sure that those players are physical players or don't mind being physical and not more finesse some things some of the schemes are just finessing and cutting people off and some are actually like running in and then being physical.
0: Right. Cause that's the one mm. thing I do like in watching games, obviously and it goes even back to um, you know, the Broncos days of with, T- with Terrell Davis, where the zone blocking schemes always, it seems like the, we have a one cut runner as Dalvin is like, and he's able to get chunk yardage. But the problem with that scheme, it seems is a lot of those third and ones and fourth and ones <laughs> where you're not getting that downhill push of, mm. you know, I'm, Gonna just outman you on the on the line and go forward, get that yard, and so that's the one the area of the zone blocking scheme where yeah, I'm a little zone. Idiotic.
1: They're always going like this; they're never going straight ahead. So a little
0: more lateral, and
1: yeah, it's like it's, it's in a certain like way they're going. Okay, and so like they're not really always so when you get to those four for ones, they're not really they don't really have to do that as <laughs> as much. You know what I
3: mean? <laughs> uh, one thing I want to say about the offensive line before I get to Dakota on the next question is. I might be in the minority here um, or in, you know, Vikingsville in general. I don't think they're too far away from the current personnel on the offensive line from being pretty darn good. Um, It obviously will hinge on Bradbury's third year. Um, Early on, Bradbury looked good, but then it seemed like his uh, pro football focus grade kind of fell downward. And I think he ended up being about an average um, center this year. Um, but if we find a way to retain reef and I think he showed that he's worthy of that at left tackle. Um, and then we have Cleveland still at guard, uh, Bradbury in the middle and, uh, out on the other side, of course, Brian O'Neill, who's an established, um, you know, starter and bona fide or excuse me, uh, interpreted, he could be a star. I don't know if you want to call him a star, but he's a damn good tackle. Um, so what, on there's one spot that you know is glaringly weak and that's the guard spot the one that was filled filled by dakota dozier and drew samia and the hodgepodge of those types of dudes um so i i hope that in free agency we find enough money to sign a guard because i don't want to wait i I don't i'm too impatient i don't want to wait for a rookie guard to see if he's any good when we have probably this 2 year window left of reaching the super bowl the way it's constructed with Zimmer, Spielman, Kirk, Dalvin is going to be 26 next year probably one or two years left on the prime prime so i would rather sign a guard and free agency and then focus on the defense uh, but it's easier said than done when you have to clear away the money in sort of in tandem with the conversation about offensive lines the working theory by some is if you have a suspect offensive line as the vikings have had for pretty much a decade then we probably have to go the route of a mobile quarterback in order, in order to mask the deficiencies of an offensive line in that if your pocket is collapsing, somebody more nimble than Kirk can probably escape the pressure. And yeah, there's something to be said for that. I'm sure it works in video games. And what I want to ask you Dakota is, do you think that mobile quarterbacks are indeed the wave of the future or Is it just that they're fun to watch? There's a lot more of them now, um, or do you really think that this is the new formula to success as a mobile quarterback?
2: Um, I think young quarterbacks are both, they're exciting to watch and they do well. Like Patrick Mahomes could end up being one of the best quarterbacks just based off of his arm talent ability and the ability to roll outside the pocket and just find someone coming towards it. Um, yeah. I really love mobile quarterbacks. Um, okay. I like them with a veteran offensive mind, like Andy Reid, or, <laughs> you know, those kind of guys. Cause they actually, they know what they're doing.
3: I'm with you. Uh, one thing that, uh, spooks me about this more mobile quarterback, uh, idea that Vikings fans clamor for like it, Either now, if you wanted to be done with Kirk, or after Kirk, we want to try the the young quarterback who can run, who's on a rookie deal, and then we can spend a bunch of money on other people. Fine and dandy. Let's try it. Uh, but what concerns me is our patience. Uh, we saw no less than two years ago, the Arizona Cardinals hired a new coach in Cliff Kingsbury who fit that sexy offensive coordinator philosophy, the look the air raid offense. And he went and got rid of Josh Rosen and went with Kyler Murray, who is a prototypical mobile quarterback. And in those two years, it's only two years, they're 13, 18 and one and they have not made the playoffs. Um, So there is certainly time for them to grow and become the best thing ever. But I don't know that we have the patience to go through two seasons of losing football um i I just don't know if if we can the management the ownership can but i don't know if the the watchers of the game can you know stomach two seasons of losing football after we've had depending on your perspective a run of about seven years of pretty being towards the top 10 of the nfl every year at least having a puncher's chance of being in that designation um ron you and mobile quarterbacks what's your relationship I mean
0: it's always nice to have that extra element but <clears throat> there's always a line of being mobile just to be mobile but being <laughs> mobile with the ability to throw and I'll go to Lamar Jackson as an example like the dude is unbelievably dynamic but I have yet to see him bring a team back the way Patrick Mahomes does whereas Patrick Mahomes is a thrower first who uses his yeah. mobility second mm-hmm. so I as far as the a runner that just uses that as a the main um that are his main threat uh that scares me a little bit um whereas you know watson obviously has the ability to do both so i'll always take the quarterback um that has the pocket presence uh, a la ben roethlisberger where he's never a mobile guy but guess what he would always feel the pressure and move, manipulate the pocket in a way to be able to use his arm and cousins i think did a lot better this year at, at doing that his ad lib ability i think took was one of the biggest improvements he had um to be able to kind of channel his inner case keenum i'll say Um, but uh um uh, those are rare breeds you know like dante culpepper and his size being able to run people over but also just throw it 70 yards like (laughs) like josh allen has kind of evolved into that Mm -hmm. he's added the throwing element to his game but i don't think um i mean kirk's athletic enough um you know they, they but yeah, as far as going straight to like a Jalen Hurts style,
3: mm-hmm. I don't know
0: if Jalen Hurts's style is going to be conducive to winning football games in the NFL on a consistent basis.
3: And, and then you get worried about if it's like the Cam Newton type, where, you know, he's phenomenal for five years, six years, and then now his career is probably getting towards the end at age 30, 31. Right, taking um, so, hits at running backs. Yeah, next yeah team, so. I mean, it happened with Dante too in 2005. I mean, he Dante was pretty darn good, and then he, it's, Finally caught up to him, and his career was effectively over in that Carolina game in 2005. Bryant, you blocked for both uh, mobile quarterbacks with Tavares Jackson and then a guy like Brett Favre who was not mobile at all. Um, do you have a preference for these current Vikings as to what you'd like to see uh, stylistically? Um, I
1: mean, for me, I have a preference. I like somebody who isn't super mobile because then I know where they're at. <laughs> so like Ken Dorsey or Brett Favre, I always had an idea of where they were. Yeah, and then when you had other guys who were super mobile because they was scrambling. I would have to look at the defender's eyes and see like, oh, he must be over here. Like, you know what I mean? So, for me personally, yeah, I like uh, a pocket passer. Um, but it, like, like he said, I don't mind somebody who knows how to use their wheels to get out of a bad situations. But yeah, don't use your wheels first. Let's just use, you know, the scheme or whatever first, and then if you have to, you know, do it. But don't always make that the first option.
3: Yeah, and I <clears throat> using your wheels first as a quarterback. I kid you not is never sustainable. I have never ever seen a quarterback like Lamar Jackson who will rush for a thousand yards and then he's in the league till he's thirty nine, forty. It just unless I'm missing something. Uh, well, it's just about wear and tear. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's it's just like so. For perspective, running backs this year there were two running backs, halfbacks that played sixteen games. Derrick Henry and Devin Singletary. And that's it. Only two players in the entire NFL to play halfback played all 16 games. And you're like, from a fantasy perspective, you're like, wow, yeah, that makes sense. All these injuries ahead of my roster, but it's the nature of the beast. And so if you're going to instruct Lamar Jackson to run that many times, He's going to be one of those guys if he keeps it up that by age 30 or so, we're like, God, he took a lot of tread off the tires in his 20s. And mm-hmm. it, it comes down to whether or not it was worth it, you know, if he won a Super Bowl, um, or if he's gonna be in that Cam Newton situation where I just don't know if there's anything left for Cam. Can you really throw whatever it was it, seven or eight touchdown passes in a whole year and then expect to start somewhere the following year? It seems like a complete dying breed in the NFL to get away with that. I mean, that number is unholy like going into uh, week 17. It was five touchdowns. He thrown, I think he threw two or three against the the jets. So, all right, well, good talk on on one more thing on the other part um, on on top of the hits that are being taken.
0: um, The longevity um, is limited because if you're not a true pocket passer and you lose that athleticism, lose that speed. Now, all of a sudden, you know, Lamar Jackson, I think does have the capability to be a pocket passer because he make some good throws and he's still young but now you're you lose that element and if you can that guy sit in the pocket like a tom brady and throw the ball 30 times a game and be successful that i don't know unless (laughs) like deshaun watson looks like he has he has the capability to do that but half of his game is being able to elude and um, and make those fantastic throws on the run
3: so yeah i'm with you all right i got a few more for you guys and then we'll we'll get you on your way uh Let's see. What should we? Uh, Dakota, who was the twenty twenty Vikings team MVP?
2: <laughs> probably. I probably have to go with Dalvin. Yeah. Based on when he's in the game, he's given us a chance to win. Like I feel like if we would have had him in Seattle on that fourth and one play, I think he would have got that.
3: Yeah, that was. Uh, Oh, that one, that that loss losses to Seattle for some reason just continue to bug me. Even the one in 2019, because uh, we had a, t- a defensive touchdown in the first half, and I'm so glad they're coming to US Bank Stadium, and I hope that I'll be able to go, uh, because we really need to get the monkey off our back there. Um, I would say Dalvin Cook too, based on the number of touches and um just the ability that when he gets the ball, how he's able to grind out yardage. And it's such a difference maker that uh, it, I almost feel like we take it for granted sometimes because we've become so accustomed to how dynamic that he is. Um, I don't know. It just seems it's so expected for him to score a touchdown in a game and then have a hundred yards from scrimmage. Cause that's just Dalvin, but that does not happen all of the time. And I know that Alexander Madison is a capable running back and could probably beyond a Vikings team that's healthy and go to the playoffs. But I think dynamic just has that Mark Marshall Falk aptitude about him where, you know, he catches the ball and, you know, he breaks tackles, but Oh, by the way, he's the second fastest guy on the team. So yes, I would vote Dalvin uh, Bryant. Is it, is it Cook for you? Or is Justin Jefferson, Eric Kendricks? It's
1: Cook for me just because of um, the fact that he makes them uh, more of a two dimensional team and not just because without the run game, it will only just be pass. You know what I'm saying? So having Dalvin Cook be successful on the run makes them more two-dimensional, which allows them to be able to throw to Jefferson and Thielen. You know what I'm saying? Because other than that, everybody will honing in on the pass if Dalvin wasn't being productive. So Dalvin is actually the the X factor to make it you know more of a two-dimensional and is, is able to help those two guys you know um, get the ball as well when they want to do play, when they want to pass or play action.
3: Okay. Ron, are you on the, the Dalvin chef train here, or, or you got a different take for us?
0: So – I wouldn't dispute any of that. Like I think the way the offense is built, it's built around Delvin, uh, but I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. And I'm going to say Justin Jefferson in the sense of one, we needed that second wide receiver to be able to step up and to be a rookie and to do what he did what fourth in the league, fourth or fifth in the league in yards, 1400 yards, just unreal. Um, With no training camp and all of that. But most importantly off the field stuff, the, The aesthetics of if you trade digs and you don't have a guy come in and at least replace that, like or at least show the ability to replace that, like say it was LaQuan Treadwell out there with what did he have? two catches for 16 yards as rookie year or something like that. If that's what you're getting off of the Diggs trade, now all of a sudden you look like the biggest fools in the league because Diggs is balling in Buffalo oh, and God, those yeah. fans are don't stop talking. Um so at least now you have a guy who as the number two receiver put up 1400 yards, showed the dynamic playmaking ability, made the teams ahead of him like made, namely the Eagles look bad for not taking him. Um yeah. and in a run heavy offense to be able to come in and do that year one I think was a uh, um, would kind of be where I would lean that way, but I'm not arguing against Delvin in any way.
3: Yeah, think of the agony that we would go through if a, if a we didn't select a running back at all, or uh, excuse me, wide receiver at all, and we just said BC Johnson can do the job, um, or Tajay Sharp. Yeah, yeah, and then like so, if we just had some guy that had 500 receiving yards, you know, an ordinary WR three type that happened to be our WR two. And we never heard of Justin Jefferson. Just think about the absolute pain we go through watching Diggs going to AFC playoffs, probably going to be division in the AFC championship, depending on how things shake out. I mean, it would be ruthless. Yeah. Um, but now we, we've thankfully we've got a pass. But I want to make clear to our listeners, um, and I think a lot of you know this, that. We have a lot of us have looked at Jefferson through this lens as Diggs's replacement, and he's come in, got 1400 yards, and become the wide receiver one. Um, and we're championing, championing him for being that good in our offense but we're completely forgetting about the fact that he's a rookie and that had he got like 800 yards, we would have been grateful if he would have followed a normal progression of a rookie um, and get 1400 yards in year five, it would have been spectacular. But I think that because we got so used to how well that he has played with poise on the field and reliability that we judge him as a superstar caliber wide receiver first, because that's the way that he's playing. But um, in terms of these Diggs comparisons, what we should be looking at is Diggs's first year versus Jefferson's first year, uh, because that would be fair. But because Jefferson has shown that he has the skill set to be among the league's best, uh, we already look at him as, all right, yeah, we got Jefferson. He's one of the best in the league. Um, but w- we need to be grateful that he was able to do that in his first year, because usually you're waiting for dudes to get this good by their prime and that that for him he's 21 hell that wouldn't be till 25 26 27 so moral of the story is that he's way ahead of schedule and uh we should uh you know sing his praises and uh hope that he stays healthy and hopefully that he will be a lifer and we are unbelievably spoiled by offensive rookies you got you ever stop and think about that ron between peterson moss Percy Percy Harvin to an extent. And then now this I want, I hope that the rest of the country says like, God, those, those damn Vikings got another outstanding offensive rookie. Uh, It just becomes the norm for us. You know, about every, (laughs) every decade, we've got a guy that is, you know, crazy good on offense. We have
0: had some bad misses too. So Williamson, uh, Laquan (laughs) Treadwell, Matt Khalil.
3: So, all right. uh, The last question of the night um, is going to go to you Dakota. Um, In all likelihood, Uh, Kyle Rudolph and or Anthony Harris and or Dan Bailey will not be on this football team in 2021. There will be some difficult decisions that will have to be made, uh, especially on Bailey because... You just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you don't know if he can uh, be a redemption story and go 27 of 29 like he did in 2019. In this upcoming year, uh, with Anthony Harris, he played pedestrian within the Vikings defense this year, and you start to think uh, like you know, did he pop up for one super good year, um, or is he going to go elsewhere and you know somewhere like the Patriots and fit right in? And then Rudolph, that one's supremely emotional because he's been here for a decade. Out of those three men. Who will the Vikings miss the most should they exit uh, this offseason?
2: I think it's going to be Kyle Rudolph just because of his leadership.
3: Yeah?
1: Yeah, I would say that too. And, I mean, he's he's probably been there the longest and um, just 10 years is a long time. It's a whole decade. And I feel like a lot of the fans and everybody are more familiar with him and his presence in the locker room and everything too. So he probably will be.
3: Dakota, would you let's say let's say he's committed to Minneapolis like he loves it there and that he does restructure with Tyler Conklin's three or four game emergence. Do you still think Rudolph has a role on this team? Uh,
2: somewhat. Yeah, the okay. blocking, And he's a good receiver. I just feel like Irv and Conklin, they they complement each other really well.
3: Yeah, I've, I've been surprised by Conklin um, just because I thought he would be, you know, a tight end three that, you know, would get a catch or two. But I mean, he looks damn good in the spots that he's uh, he's been put in with Rudolph's injury. And that stinks. If indeed that was Rudolph's last off the Vikings, it's pretty sad that, uh, he didn't really get a proper send off with no fans or anything, but we shall see. He could restructure. Um, I, he certainly will not be back at that price tag right now. He's paid as the fifth highest compensated tight end in the league as of 2020. And, you know, as of four weeks ago, he was like 28th in targets. I don't even know what it is now. It's probably to the depths of hell. I'm not sure. Uh, Ron, which one of those three players, or if you have somebody I didn't think of, which player will the Vikings miss the most in 2021? So, yeah, I do think if he were gone, I think Rudolph would be the most missed. <clears throat> um, like it was alluded
0: to his leadership on the field. Um, now, I do believe that um, that when they signed him to his extension, this past off season it was more so of a service to him to kind of get that money up front to yeah. be able to approach it this year and you know that they have their ways of moving the money around so <clears throat> um so I do think he would be the biggest miss um now the one name that I think is going to come up as well um is Anthony Barr um just with the with how well Eric Wilson played um and Barr's hefty contract um mm-hmm. I think that is another one but I also and I don't think he'll be back at that current salary what is it like at least or right around 10 million. So that's going to be tough to, to replicate, but that will also be a player that's missed because I know like people smarter than me, um, like who watch the game and, you know, understand that he's doing things that don't show up on the stats. So now that's, me as a normal fan i don't i might not pick up on that um from a linebacker spot but there's a difference in how the defense plays when he is out there along with uh with kendrick so um i think that would be a miss or it would be someone they'd miss um anthony harris i'm not so no not so concerned about because i think people think he's this young up-and-coming safety (laughs) but he's you know he's 29 years old or somewhere around there he's been great for us undrafted rook or undrafted free agent out of virginia and uh he's done well but at that price tag um you know i know this past year we were there was talks about trading him for joe tooney from uh, yeah. from um, new england and something like that i feel like we don't need the best safety in the world next to harrison um you, i think just someone who's rangy and can cover on the back end let harrison do his uh his stuff close to the box i think that would be the the better route to go, but uh um, I mean, I think they have some flexibility and some smart guys and they're making decisions to to figure that out,
3: yeah, on Barr, um I want to say that I'm under the pretense that he'll be back. It'll probably be one of those vintage restructures that we have that uh, you know that uh, Daniel Hunter did last year. I think that was around April or maybe it was March or so, but anyhow, I think that will happen with Barr um because you know he did have the the big deal, the money up front that he signed when he did his uh roundabout ordeal with the jets and came back to us but it's uh in terms of s- stuffing the stat sheet with bar it's it, i think it's quite simple he tackles um that's what he does he doesn't miss tackles yeah yeah he doesn't miss them and eric wilson is pretty darn good in pass coverage uh he makes plays um but that that is a, a low point of wilson's game is tackling in comparison to bar so yes i am of the opinion that bar was now, he went from being overrated by most fans to underrated in about two or three months uh, because we saw the little things he does within a Zimmer defense. Um, All right, folks. So that's that's all the time we have for tonight. Um, Bryant and Ron and I are working on getting Everson Griffin on the show. We're, we're trying to see if he'll come on and share some of his thoughts about the potential 2021 season. And then we tease the fact that Burleson, Nate Burleson, would be on the show a couple weeks ago, but he had a scheduling conflict, so we're still working on him. Uh, But those are the guys we have on the docket. And then, of course, we'll have more in the future. Um, But as far as Vikings football goes, that's all we have for tonight. And Skull Vikings!